You didn't want me to get in the pool with the mic, did you? I guess I remembered everything, but probably the most important thing, right? The mic, so you can hear me. Well, good morning. My name is Tony, and uh, if you're joining us online or you're a guest with us today, I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. Welcome to our Easter services. This is our 1030. Uh, we had a great service in our first one, and it's been really good the second one. Uh, if you didn't know, but uh, Kyle's my future son-in-law, so I thought I better dip him twice. And uh, yeah, you just, but you got my stage all wet. Uh, that was crazy. Hey, welcome today. Uh, you know, Easter is a big deal for us here. It really is. And uh, as you could tell from the songs, it's a big deal because we truly believe with all of our heart here at Gateway that Jesus rose from the dead. I know it's hard to believe in this scientific age that we're in. I mean, people don't just stop breathing for three days and then start breathing again, right? It just doesn't happen. But we truly believe it. And we believe it not simply because the Bible tells us so. Now, that would be a truth claim. And if that was the case, if I just tried to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead simply because this says so, I mean, I guess somebody could say, well... Other sacred texts say lots of things, right? And they make truth claims on those things. What makes this one so different? Well, it's why I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection because of Matthew and Mark and John and Peter. These eyewitness people who wrote about it, experienced it, lived it, they told us that, you know, there's just way too much that happened. You want to know what the greatest witness for me is? It's not even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it's James. James was the brother of Jesus. We know from the scriptures that before James believed, he didn't believe. As we learned, you know, last week, he's a flip-flopper. He did not believe that Jesus, his brother, his physical brother, grew up in the same home, same mom. He did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. Now let me ask you something. If your brother, and I have a brother, some of you know my brother, came to me and made a claim that he was the Son of God, what in the world would he have to do for me to believe that? Come back from the dead? Yeah. Then I would believe it, right? I, there's been times maybe I wanted to kill him and then just to see if he would come back, right? But no, if, if, if my brother would make that claim and come back from the dead, then I'd believe. You know what? James, after the resurrection, became one of the leading ministers in Jerusalem for the Christian faith. James is a good witness. Jesus' own brother after the resurrection, believed. And that's why I believe. I think it's such a big deal. We think it's such a big deal. As a matter of fact, it's such a big deal. I'm going to tell you right up front that at the end of this, in about 20 minutes, I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never believed, if you've never put your faith in him, I want you to do that today. I want you to believe in the resurrection and begin a journey that will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationships. It'll change everything in your life because this resurrected Jesus makes all the difference. 
he's not just a religious leader who died and went in the grave and then we built up this religion after him. No, he is a God who came in the flesh, died for us, rose from the grave, and that makes all the difference. And I'm going to invite you at the end of this. But before I do, I can understand your hesitation. I can understand why people don't want to be part of the church. I really can. I grew up my whole life in the church. My father was a minister. I mean, literally, I think my mother left the delivery room and took me to church. Um, We sat in church, and that was back when we went like four times a week, man. I mean, you know, I was there Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group. I mean, you name it, we were there. If there was something going on, church was the center of my life. And I hated it. There, I'm being honest. I just, I learned a lot and it shaped me and molded me. And sometimes, you know, younger people, you know, I know you don't want to necessarily be a part, but sometimes just being there, being in the presence of people and Jesus, it just kind of changes you, whether you like it or not. So sometimes it's good just to show up, right, and be there. But I understand the hesitancy of today's people not wanting to be part of this church. And here's why I think this is. Because the church had a process to assimilate people into the church. When you would go into a community and you wanted to find, you were new to a community, the first thing you would do, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, this was like the hate day of the organized religion. People would go and you would find a church and here's what happened. They want to know what you believe. Because if you're going to belong to this church, you've got to believe right. Follow me. And if you start believing right, then you better behave right. You got to get your theology down. You got to understand the the whole workings of, you know, your systematic theology, if you don't know what that is. You got to have it down. You got to understand doctrine. We want you to believe what we believe because if you don't believe how we believe, you don't belong. Come on now. All you who've been in the church your whole life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have classes for it. So that we just want to make sure you believe right. To belong. And then what would happen? Then you got to get your behave right. Oh, honey, we don't wear that in church. Oh, honey, we don't, we don't go to places like that. We, we uh, you know, we don't say things like that. We don't drink that. We don't eat that. We don't, we don't behave that way. If you want to belong, if you want to be part of this group, if you want to be here in this place, you need to start behaving right. And we had classes for that too. And we began to talk about getting people. So listen, this was the process of assimilation in the organized religion of the day. You get your believe right, you get your behave right, and then you belong. If you believe and you behave, then you belong. But then something happened at the tomb. I saw something in today's text that just really caught my eye. Something that happened there that told me that the church, even though we did this, and so many of us came into the church that way, but also so many of us live in guilt and oppression and just this weight of, i got to believe right and i got to behave right or somehow I'm not belonging. 
or accepted or embraced. And so we go on this work faith. We work really hard so that we do it right. Because if you don't do it right, you're not going to belong. But I saw something at the tomb. I saw something in the disciples and in Mary. Something caught my eye in our text today. I'm in John chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you can go there. We're going to have it up here for you. But I'm in John chapter 20, and I want to just kind of, it's a different pattern. It's not believe, behave, belong, but Jesus used a different method to bring unbelieving, confused, lost people, sinful people, people who just weren't very smart, to be honest with you, about theology and doctrine and behaving right and all. I mean, they should have been because they lived with Jesus for three years. But they didn't have it together. And I saw something happen at the tomb with Mary and Peter and John. I saw Jesus use a method for bringing people into discipleship, for bringing people into the community that's different than the believe, behave, and belong. Look at verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. I, I always like to tease my, my pastor friends of mine who are part of churches. that In our church, we will ordain um, let women into the ministry. We believe God, call, God does not show, you know, he does not show uh, favoritism to a, a sex, a male or female, but he will ordain women. I always tease him about this because Mary Magdalene, I said, you know, the very first evangelist in the Bible was a woman. And they'll look at me like, what are you talking about? I said, Mary was the first to the tomb and she, Jesus gave her the commission to go and tell everyone else that he was alive. What else is the definition of an evangelist? To go and tell everybody that Jesus is alive. So Mary, on the first day of the week, so we know what happened. Jesus was crucified. He was dead. They buried him. All of this happened right before the, the Sabbath, the, the, over the Passover. And so there was three days that had to pass. And before the sun had even kind of came up. Do you remember when we used to do sunrise services? Man, I'm so glad we don't do those anymore. But Mary, I, I think this is where we got the sunrise service, and we tried to be so much like this, but I, I'm glad we got rid of them. But before the sun had even come up, Mary loved Jesus so much. J Jesus had done so much for her. What we know about Mary Magdalene is this. She was a messed up woman. You say, well, how do you know? Because it says Jesus cast seven demons out of her. You, you think your life's messed up. I mean, she probably was textbook, schizophrenic, messed up woman, right? And Jesus touched her life, delivered seven demons out of her, and changed her life forever. And she loved Jesus so much for it. But she didn't get it. She didn't have her believing right either. And she didn't have her behavior right either. But she wanted to. And she loved Jesus. She got up so early and she ran to the tomb. But there she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Verse 2. So she ran. She left the tomb. She ran and went and got Simon Peter and the other disciple. The one whom Jesus loved. Now this is funny. This is John. We know John was the disciple Jesus loved. He loved all of his disciples, but he was the baby. 
Maybe you got a baby. Any of you babies in your family? Yeah. Pastor Brett, that explains a lot. I did not know that. Um, you know, you all know that you're the parents' favorite, right? John was Jesus' favorite, I guess you could say. The, but here's the funny part. Who's writing this? John, the guy, he's talking about himself kind of like, you know, the other guy. He's not, he wouldn't say me. He just says, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which is me, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Next verse. So Peter went out with the other disciple, John, and they were going toward the tomb. Now watch verse 4. Both of them were running together. Now, I had visions of the chariots of fire theme. And here's the old man Peter trying to keep up with the young man John. And Peter's like, I'm going to beat you there, John, because I love him more. Right? Or he loves me more. I'm going to beat you there. And here these two guys are racing to, and, and look what, John, who's writing this? Yeah. But the other disciple outran Peter and ran to, and reached the tomb first. I, the reason I make fun of this, I have absolutely no idea. I, honestly, I've tried to exegete it and interpret it. I have absolutely no idea. Maybe Pastor Brett or Pastor Andy or Pastor Bob, somebody could help me understand this. This is the most pointless verse of the whole thing, other than John just wanted you to know I beat Peter. All right? That, that's, that's basically where we're at on that, right? So they go to this tomb that's empty. It's supposed to be the tomb of Jesus. They go inside, and the garments are there. Now, here's something strange. Peter and John don't hang around, but Mary does. That says something to me about Mary. Peter and John are like, well, if it wasn't bad before, it's bad now. Just leave it to a man to be the negative one here, right? And so we're going to just go home. And they went home. They left. Boy, if they just would have stayed. Mary stayed. And she began to weep because the body of Jesus was gone. Verse 14. So Mary, while she's sitting there, is having this conversation with two men that show up that John tells us are angels. And she's really beside herself. And they're consoling her. And she's really, like, questioning. Here's what I, I find out about Mary that's interesting to me. Even though she should have known and she didn't, even though she should have believed right and she didn't, even though her behavior may have, should have been a little different here in this situation, her weeping and crying and her just depression and despair over the loss of Jesus' body, Mary was inquisitive. Mary questioned. Mary wanted to stick around. Mary wanted to know the answer. Mary wanted to understand what was happening. And she began to just look out for anyone that could help her. And these two men didn't really help her. But then she sees another man. She sees another man, and it's Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. Mary has walked with Jesus, been with Jesus, listened to his teaching. Jesus personally delivered her from her demons. She should have known Jesus. She should have seen him and recognized him, but she didn't. 
and we don't either. Even those of us who have been in the church the longest, there are some times in our life and things in our culture and our families that we miss Jesus. We miss him. He's there, but we don't recognize him. And even those who aren't following Jesus, he's there. He knows you, even though you don't know him. Here's an interesting thing. After she said, having said this, she said something to, to them. She turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was him, that it was Jesus. You know, if anyone should have known, it was her. It was Peter. It was John. They should have known. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the teaching. They've heard the teaching. Here's the interesting thing, too, about the... I'm bringing in a lot of background on this. Jesus told them, how easy would your life be to believe if Jesus physically would just stand here and tell you how it's all going to be? Jesus told them that this was going to happen. He, he physically spoke to them and said, they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'll come back from the grave. Not once did Mary's thought was, oh, I remember Jesus saying something about this. She wept over an empty grave when she really should have said, it happened. It, he said it would. It happened. But she didn't. Tony, what are you saying in all this? Here's what I want you to see. Is that Jesus uses a pattern for belonging that's different than what the church has used for decades. Verse 16. She saw Jesus, didn't recognize him. Now look what happened. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. He spoke her name. He knew her, even though she didn't know him. He spoke to her as though he was intimately, personally involved in her life, even though she didn't recognize him. What does that say about Jesus? It's this, that no matter where you're at, what you believe, how you're behaving, Jesus knows you. He speaks to you. He calls your name. Why? Because you belong. Your believing may be wrong. Your behavior may be wrong. But Jesus says, you belong. You belong. And that is the pattern that Jesus began to use. That he used in his ministry. He embraced people before they ever believed correctly or behaved correctly. He loved them even when they were unlovable and they didn't love him. He knew them even when they didn't recognize him. Jesus says to all of us this Easter, I know you may not know for sure what you believe. I know you may be questioning all of this resurrection and Christianity and Bible and Holy Spirit and Trinity and doctrine and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's okay to, to get some of that down pat, but listen to this. 
it's not a requirement for you to belong. You don't have to have your life together to be a part of what God's doing. He wants you to be a part because, listen, He says you belong so that you might believe and then you'll behave. Don't miss this. Jesus wants to be more than just a gardener in your life. He wants to be your teacher. And Mary knew as soon as she heard her name, she immediately turned and she saw the one who had resurrected from the dead and all of it began to come back to her. And she, in a way, was saying, I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm afraid. What in the world? I'm not sure I believe what I'm seeing. But, teacher, teach me. Help me believe. When I don't believe right, when I don't behave right, Jesus, teach me. This is a turning in your life where you turn away from your own understanding and you turn toward one who knows all there is to know about you and embraces you anyway, no matter what. Worship team's going to come this morning. I don't know where you're at today. I know this, that a lot of us here today just aren't sure what we believe. Maybe like Mary and the other disciples at the tomb, you just feel like life is empty Maybe you just, your behavior, you know, you're like, God could never accept me, but he does. I want you to know that this morning, that you belong. You belong. You don't need to be all right to belong. Jesus will become your teacher. They're going to sing this morning. Just open your hearts to what Jesus is saying to you. One.